You're listening to the Built Shapes Podcast, presented by Midco Sports. Spring is here, at least according to the calendar anyway, and that means our coverage of UND softball is ready to pick up. Tune in Friday, April 15th for a North Dakota softball doubleheader against South Dakota, and then again on Saturday, April 30th for two more against North Dakota State. All live from Apollo Park in Grand Forks on Midco Sports and streaming on Midco Sports Plus. This is how we do sports, and this is the Build Shapes Podcast. All right, welcome to another edition of the Bill Shaves Podcast. We are taping this on a Tuesday morning, March the 29th. Alex Snyder, Bill Shaves. Bill, how are you? As we kind of transition into this this new season that we call spring. Yeah, you know, I think you're right. I think uh, Mother Nature's trying to get the temperature gauge up a little bit, but uh, (laughs) it's been a slow turn. Slow turn this spring. A bit of a slow turn. So it's, it's been funny how the mornings have still been so crisp. You know, it's like 20 degrees in the in the teens, maybe when you get outside. And by like four or five o'clock, it's not so bad as if the wind's not blowing. But you would wish certainly for our, our spring sports, our tracksers, our softball kids, etc. They would like it if it was maybe consistently maybe 50s, 60s. But we're just not quite there yet, I guess. Yeah. So, you know, and you mentioned uh, in the opening uh, that you're going to do a couple uh, softball games over at Apollo Field, which we do thank Midco for doing that. It's awesome. Um, and, uh, you know, the field's actually looking okay at this point in time. And, uh, you know, we were, Eric uh, Martinson and I were, were discussing it. And, uh, you know, as long as we do get some, a little bit of wind, I mean, we don't want a lot of wind, but, uh, you know, we, I, knock on wood, Alex, we should be okay. Um, but then again, you know, you just never know if, uh, if uh, you know, there's going to be any more snow dumped on us, which let's hope not a lot, but uh, and hopefully it'll go pretty quickly. Yeah, fingers crossed. And softball's first home series is coming up April 9th and 10th against Omaha. That's not, that's not that far away. It's, it's just, it's all happening. Obviously, they've been on the road for a long time. And we'll talk more about softball and tennis and track and field and hockey, et cetera, as we kind of get down to the rundown in a bit. So much more to come on that. Yeah, we're excited to get softball back on the airwaves. Always fun uh, this time of year to be doing spring sports. Uh, spring also means, and this spring specifically, Bill, means the return of the Champions Ball coming next month, a little less than a month away. That's such a great event that makes such a huge difference to UND Athletics every other year when that event is held. Yeah, so the last time we did it was 2019. Of course, uh, you know, COVID has uh, altered a lot of schedules, as we know. But uh, Val Sussex over in our Alumni Foundation area, along with just in general, our Alumni Foundation event staff does a a fantastic job with this, uh, Alex. And, you know, our... our, uh, our alums, our fans, our supporters, they do such a great job of coming out. And, uh, you know, we'll be over at the Alaris Center. We'll have close to probably 800 people uh, there at the event. And just it's, a, it's an awesome way to just uh, connect uh, with everyone on a, a kind of every other year basis. And uh, you're right. It does help scholarships for sure. Helps uh, a lot of, uh, you know, um, opportunities to support our, our various programs and kind of always neat stuff that's out there for, uh, for auction. Uh, and so uh, it's, um, I don't know. I, I do like, I like the idea of every other year. I really, really do. I think it, it, it gives you a little bit of time uh, gap between the event. And I think it kind of keeps you coming back. It keeps things fresh. And so uh, obviously we, we didn't want to have a, a, another year uh, between, but you know, that that's what, you know, just transpired. We were all dealing with that. 
Yeah, no, it's it's fun to see it return this year. Um, I got to be a part of it in 2019, the last time it was held. And it just, I had such a great time that night. It was so fun to interact with people that really love this university and love the athletics department. Uh, so many unique items to bid on, either at the silent auction that kind of takes place throughout the night, and then also the live auction that takes place at the end. Uh, Val had hinted at some some pretty cool things that are going to be on the docket again this year. So, uh, And there are still tickets available, I believe, if people want to go. And also, and also want to sponsor. I think that was the other cool thing about this. You can sponsor a table or sponsor a specific team, maybe, to sort of a- and ask, hey, could I maybe get a couple people from the hockey team or somebody from the women's basketball team or softball or whatever to come sit at our table with me and, and, and our group from our office, from you know, our family there's just so many ways to give back and to enjoy this event. And I know those opportunities are limited now that we're so close, but I think there are still some opportunities out there to get involved. Yeah. And I think if you're listening to this pod, I think you know how to get a hold of Val over at the uh, Alumni Foundation, but uh, certainly you can search that and and uh, she'd be uh, more than willing to answer any questions that you may have. And uh, But you're right. There's, there's still a little bit of time right now. That's why it's good that we're having it on this pod right now. Yeah. But I think once we, you know, get in, uh, you know, to the month of April, uh, then it's sort of a, a place where I think, uh, you know, the group just wants to get uh, focused in on the event itself. Yeah. Space is limited. Get in there now if you want to be a part of this. My biggest memory from the last event was it took place a couple of days after my second daughter was born. And I just remember being so, <laughs> so sleep deprived and groggy as we were trying to host this. And at one point, I think I missed my cue to come up after you and had a nice speech and uh, felt terrible that uh, I was off script and was sort of sort of snoozing in the chair. But that's <laughs> that's and I remember seeing, by the way, I saw our doctor from All Truth, um, Colette Lassard, who had delivered our baby, is out in the audience. And it was really fun to bring her up on stage. The last time this took place, my daughter was like three days old, and now she's going to be three years old in a couple of weeks. It's crazy. Yeah, many of us remember these sleep-deprived days, and uh, those are, uh, those are let's just say, um, ooh, those can be tough ones, but, uh, but you're right. But you, yeah, like the great ones suggest, you did that night. You, you soldiered <laughs> on. That's what I'll say. You soldiered on. Hey, so, so you had a, a quick turnover. No big deal. I mean, our, our defense picked you up. We got a three and out, and away you go. <laughs> no, again, such a great night. Again, coming to the Alara Center April 23rd. Again, get in touch with Val uh, and look on the Fighting Hawks website for more details for the Champions Ball 2022 coming your way. Uh, around the Mulderay Bush, we go. Some winter sports wrapping things up this past week. Obviously, earlier than we would have liked for men's hockey. They were out in Albany, New York, the two seed in that regional. Uh, they got a, to play a Notre Dame team that was a top 10 team in the country in the first round. Again, after a, a tough go at the frozen face-off, too. Again, just such fine margins, Bill, this time of year. North Dakota is down by one late in that game against Western Michigan in the frozen face-off semis, and then an empty netter happens. They lose 4-2. They turn around the next week, and it's just nip and tuck again. 1-1, you go to overtime, and you come up one goal short in the end. Just a tough way for the season to end. But uh, Bradbury has said in the aftermath, you know, one game or one weekend doesn't define our season. And this was a phenomenal season for UND hockey all the way through. Once again, in a year when expectations were not that high, given what they were trying to overcome, still a a pretty special year uh, for this program as they continue to move forward against all odds. Yeah, I mean, I think anytime you can uh, hang a third Penrose banner uh, in a row, it's pretty, pretty special. And so the team for sure accomplish that goal. And, and then you go into the, you know, this tournament and we know, you know, just how good teams scout each other. Um, you know, technology has really played a big, big part uh, in, in college hockey as it has 
every sport. Um, but, you know, and then the goalies, the goalies are so good uh, on every single team. And, uh, you know, you really have to either get, you know, fortunate that maybe a bounce goes your way. Um, but generally you, you saw all eight games or, or, or in beyond in that first round and then beyond, right. It, it just uh, it feels like they're all one goal games and either, you know, you get the, you get the goal and, and you're celebrating or, or you're not. And uh, amazingly it just ends. And you're just uh, already now then thinking through, you know, what does it look like for next year? I mean, that's how quick that the turn is. And, uh, you know, given where we are uh, and we were talking, you know, pre-pod a little bit about, you know, where we are, you know, with the transfer portal and, and some of the things in, in sports that, that never had this opportunity before. I always have to say that, that other sports have, have had this. And so, uh, but it just is really unique. Uh, and I think the extra COVID year has kind of played a part in this. And so it does uh, add another layer of things as you get into, I'll call it the off season, right? It's just very, very interesting. Yeah, we'll talk more about the hot stove that is college hockey right now in just a sec. I do want to go back to the game in Albany. The ending of regulation, so wild, you know, to see the goal go in as the horn sounds, and then we go on this lengthy 10-minute review. That wasn't the only moment of controversy in terms of reviews around the regionals this weekend. What did you make of how the NCAA handled all those things, Bill? Well, I wanted to ask you, um, because, you know, I really wanted to get your perspective because you just deal with it so much from a television standpoint that the sinking sometimes maybe isn't exact at times, right? Like depending on even what kind of potential truck you have. I mean, some of the things that are inside baseball when it comes to this stuff, I think at the end of it all, lights aside, all of those types of things, it's the main scoreboard that is actually uh, that needs to be looked at. Everything else, I think you hope is a hundred to a thousand percent sunk, but I don't know enough about technology, but I do know enough that it could be slightly off to some degree. Am I, am I off base with this? No, no, you're not. And we saw that it's at the MVP arena where the light that flashes is not in sync with the light that's on or with the time that's on the scoreboard. And that's not, 100% in sync with the feed that ESPN is putting on their ticker. I mean, that's the score bug wasn't 100% accurate. And that's why and I, I like that you brought up how it, it depends on the truck. You know, what, what kind of production production truck are you using? I know on the ones that we've got with Midco, our, our main big production truck that you see outside the Ralph and the Alaris and the Betty all year, there is an input on that truck. And again, every truck should probably have this, but there's always an input that has the score and or has, has the time burned in. And that's something that's just, we're getting the feed directly from the scoreboard. It's either through all sport or through, there, there's, there's some terminology there, but either it's going directly into this input or if there's a disconnect there, we are filming that scoreboard, the official scoreboard, and plugging that into one of our video inputs. So our replay guys essentially have, most of the time on their monitor, you've got four different feeds but you also have several other feeds, and those four feeds are probably clean. They're different camera feeds, different angles that you're getting. They can also switch to other camera feeds, maybe like the overhead cam that's above the nets or a bench shot or whatever. But they also always have this wide view, which is like the game camera view that you're seeing with the official clock burned in. 
And as we're watching this, people are watching this on television. You're trying to figure this out in the arena. For some reason, the officials just were not getting that burned-in view right away. And you saw multiple different iterations of, okay, here's this wide angle, and you see the light go on after the puck is in. Here's this overhead angle where clearly there are triple zeros on the clock before the puck is even close to the back of the net. Here's this other angle where it's like the ESPN bug and their scoreboard is not reflecting the time on the clock. So you could see why it was confusing and why it took so long to sort all this out. I would say the biggest thing here is that you've got this rental truck company that ESPN is using that is, you know, probably not done a lot of college hockey or maybe not done a lot of hockey in general or maybe not a lot of sports necessarily over the course of the year. And you're sort of thrust into this moment with a kind of a new crew and you're trying to figure this all out. And it's, it's not totally surprising that you'd have issues like this when it's not a group that has been doing this all season long and it's a bummer that it took 10 minutes and that you kind of have this long wait and guys are not sure what to do next or is our season over are we moving on are we going to overtime and i'm just glad they got the call right in the end it's it's the same story i think a lot of in pretty much all these scenarios around the the regionals they got the call right you know whether that was the western michigan goal in the game against northeastern where they called it no goal on the ice. They go take a look. Boom. Yep, it's in the net. Boom, goal. And that that took less than a minute. Or this one where it took 10 minutes. You know, accuracy is important. Speed is also important. But you can understand why it took them so long to get it all figured out in this particular instance. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, thank you for that explanation. And I think, how should I say? I I, I knew all of that in very broad terms. I I could not have described it as specific as you. That's why I kind of wanted to make sure, you know, because you live it literally, you know, on a, on a weekly basis, if you will, especially during the season. And um, it's just really good uh, to have that explanation. And I think that the referees, you know, again, they, they wanted to make sure in that case scenario, for sure, you want to get it right. And um, you know, now there's a, there's conversation about other things that you want to get right or not right. And and I think if you go back a week that there probably is a different conversation in that, that scenario. And so (laughs) the Minnesota state. Yeah. I mean, it just, you know, that's a broader, we could probably do a whole pod on that to some degree too, but um, you know, ironically during that third period too, there was a hold on a face off for a second and, uh, and, and it was just fascinating that, you know, sometimes you pick up on that, sometimes you don't. But the referees did and either held the clock for a second. I don't think they put a second on the clock. But at the end of the day, you know, it can literally come down to, you know, tenths of a second. And, uh, and you just need to know where the official clock is because you might think you're right on something and actually you might be wrong. And that's why you have to be really thoughtful and judicious during this. And we kind of just waited and just, you know, my, my thought process was, you know, they're going to figure it out. They'll get the look that they need to, and then they'll make the right call. Speaking with Bradbury after the fact and with some of the guys too, like they had mentioned, we all had to have the mindset that this goal is not going to stand and that we have to be ready to take the ice again after an intermission to try and win this game in overtime. And Notre Dame had kind of said the same thing. I know Jeff Jackson was telling his guys on the bench, remember what happened last week in Minnesota State and Bemidji. Like, you, you, you can't expect this to be... This, this call might not go our way, essentially. And so I think college hockey coaches, players, and, and really from all sports, I think, there's been enough of this lately that 
It's not over till it's over. You see this in VAR all the time in soccer too. You never really know if a goal is going to stand or if a result is 100% confirmed until you get the all clear. And sometimes that takes a while. But it, it was, uh, I'm again, it would have been crushing if they take that look and they see the green light and the officials are like, well, green lights is on after the puck is in. Let's call it a good goal. And then you come to find out if they would have given another two, three minutes that they would have had the right look with the right clock, the right time, and you just ended a team season unjustly. That would have been really tough to swallow here on a <laughs> on a Thursday night in uh, in central New York. That would have been tough. Yeah, and you know, and certainly the goal that they did score in overtime, obviously very clean goal, and uh, you know, so there was, there was no question in that regard. But yeah, I, I I think both coaches handled it appropriately. That's that's how you have to address it, and I I just don't think we should be surprised anymore. I mean, I think we we just need to know that that's just part of it, and uh, the referees are in a really um, sometimes unenviable situation to have to go in and, and kind of decipher. And, 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 and I, I, I know they signed up for it. I get it. And I know that they're getting compensated for it. But at the end of the day, it's still tricky, right? Like it's, um, you know, you're, there's a lot of pressure in that uh, absolute moment. So uh, um, I thought they handled it very, very well. And uh, yeah, disappointing, Alex. Um, you know, you make the field and I think, you know, it's pretty, pretty clear what the expectations here are is to, uh, to make a run. And, uh, but, you know, I kind of felt going into the game, it felt like they, you know, both these teams are a little bit of a mirror image of each other. And uh, it was going to, you know, goals were going to be hard to come by and uh, scoring the first one I thought was awesome. That was good for us. Um, But, you know, it, it, it wasn't surprising that it was a, tie game and it was going to come down to who scores the second one and unfortunately we didn't get it done yeah all these postseason games i mean really with the exception of just a couple ironically most most involving quinnipiac have all been like just these tight cagey games low scoring you know and that's this time of year how often do you see that i mean 2-1 is like the most common score line in college hockey or in pro hockey for example once you get to the playoffs it's just Tough to score. Time and space are limited when you get to this. Well, I, and, and again, I, I, I'd say this. If we found a way to score in overtime, it wouldn't surprise me if that score line would have been the same uh, against Mankato. Than, than what, you know, the Notre Dame. I mean, it just was going to be a grind no matter what was going to happen. You just knew it going in there. I mean, goals were going to be at a premium and you know, you just had to find a way when you got your opportunity, you had to find a way to tuck it in. It's a tough way to end the season. It's now the second year in a row that UND Hockey's year has ended in an overtime defeat in a regional life. So it's, it's tough for this group to have so much regular season success. And, and that's, that's the hardest trophy to win. I think people sort of forget sometimes like to win a regular season title, you got to be great for five months, basically. And to win a postseason championship, you know, it's a different level of pressure, of course, and it's everything is condensed into two weekends. But, you know, winning four games versus having to win 20-something, you know, I mean, it's it's different. But at the same time, yes, of course, the end goal is to try and lift the trophy at the end, be the last team standing. And it's I know the, the team is already set out to try and improve, you know, their roster for next season. Obviously, we'll miss some of the guys that were big parts of this year's team and certainly guys that have been a part of the year, you know, part of the program for the last four years. But uh, you can tell already wheels are in motion to try and get ready for another season. Ethan Frisch talked about that, like the 
the sting. I think we talked to Ethan yesterday, by the way, for a Midco Mag story that's going to come out next week about this season as a whole. And Ethan just mentioned the sting of losing an overtime like that, how your season just ends. You know, we're still not over it yet. And this had been, I talked with him on a Monday, and that game had ended on a Thursday. So we're talking a couple days after the fact. And they're still in mourning just for the fact that how things end. But he also said, you know, guys are already talking about next year. You know, what are we going to do next year? What can we do in the offseason to get better and prepare ourselves? How can we get ready to go for another push at four in a row in terms of regular season titles and to, to get over the hump in the postseason? That's already on this team's mind and certainly on the coaching staff's mind that are already making moves to try and bring guys in to help this program moving forward. Not much to add with any of that. It, it's a, uh, you know, it's just the finality just happens. Well, it, it, it happens so abruptly. And you never, of course, your competitor, you think you're going to be the one to win. I mean, obviously, I mean, it just happens to be had to go to overtime. And uh, but unfortunately, uh, it, it came to an end. And uh, yeah, that, you know, the flight home wasn't awesome on Friday. Uh, you know, it just, you know, it, it's it's kind of, yeah, you're in mourning. That's a, that's the best way of putting it. And so um, but you move on, you, you appreciate uh, the you know, the, the careers that, um, you know, many of our, our student athletes had, no matter, you know, if it was just even a year, right. I mean, versus, you know, it could be four years. And so, um, you know, and then others are going to go on to, you know, potentially start their you know professional lives and uh, whether it includes hockey or not. And so, uh, um, but yeah, so we're, you know, and there was a lot of, uh, a lot of first-year players, Alex, that, that got a lot of uh, miles on the odometer this year. And so, Whereas last year, this time we knew that there was going to be a lot of departures. You know, th- this time next year we're going to have a few few folks that have 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 uh, skated around the NCHC rinks and uh, and then got a taste of NCAA regionals and uh, and, and unfortunately, sort of a bitter taste. Yeah. yeah, everybody's roster right now is very much in flux around the league. If you've been paying attention, you know, to Twitter the last couple of days since teams' seasons have ended. There are a lot of pro clubs that are in the market for guys that have played in this league. And it has been interesting to see some underclassmen signed that maybe were a little unexpected. Certainly some upperclassmen that you kind of imagined would move on have done so. And so the league is going to look really different next season. And who knows what's going to happen in terms of transfer portal, who comes in. But we do know in-house that North Dakota is going to retain probably 80% or more of the guys that were a part of the run this year. They'll add some really talented freshmen, probably a couple talented guys in the transfer portal as well. This is going to be a program that's likely going to be the favorite or co-favorite to win the league again next year. Just reading the tea leaves of what's going on around the league. And they'll be loaded and they'll be ready to go. And it's going to be fun to see this team come together this offseason and then give it a go again come October. Yeah, and I think you made a made a good point too, Alex. Uh, you know, obviously, there's different ways that uh, you fill a roster these days, and it might uh, be from someone from juniors uh, per se, or it could be the transfer portal. But the one thing I guess I would caution folks is, uh, you know, when you're into the transfer portal mode, uh, there's still a lot of a lot of paperwork, a lot of things that have to get done, and um, you know, there could be intentions for sure, and and, and again, but the plane still has to land. So uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, I, again, we're, we're at a great aviation school, so uh, we've got to continue to use that analogy. It works. It's apt here, given where we are. Yes. So be on the lookout for that for official announcements from the university in the, the days and weeks to come of, of guys who will join the program. And by the way, too, Brad Berry has said, 
five transfers coming in, that's an anomaly. Like that's not going to be the everyday, you know, every year process for this group. He said, we were going to build through four year guys and that's going to be the case this year. So like I said, there's already been rumors that there's a transfer goalie that's going to be coming in. I'm sure they're looking at other players too and trying to think who's the best, who's, who's a good fit for our program, but there'll probably be maybe two names this year, maybe three, not five. Yeah, and I and I have zero problem. Uh, we should spend a lot of uh, this this pod on buttoning up the the hockey season for sure. But um, I I'd say this as well. Um, kind of an anomaly the way the season in twenty ended, right? And so then you might have had some departures at that point in time, but I think that it all then happened last year. And so it just was kind of odd the way that all played itself out. I'm not sure we'll see that in the, in the near future, but you never know. I mean, I guess, I guess it's possible. I mean, with this, you know, large freshman class that came in, who knows, maybe, you know, maybe that could happen to some degree, but, you know, everyone has their own journey and, and everyone, you know, depending if you stay more than likely more than one year, but it could be a two year, three year, four year, in some cases, five years. And so you just never know. Yeah. Well, watch this space in the days and weeks ahead as we get to see what happens in that particular area uh, in the transfer portal area for hockey and for other sports as well. Congrats again to Bradbury and company on, on a really fine season once again. And as you said, they will raise another white banner in the Ralph uh, come this October. Uh, moving on, spring sports, uh, definitely in full swing right now. Softball is getting into conference play. They started summer league play last weekend against Kansas City. All close games. Yep. It, it was like playoff hockey down there. Two nothing, two nothing, a couple eight inning Extra games. Extra innings, as well. I mean, and, yeah. yes. All, yep. all three games against the Ruse were decided by two runs or less. Yep. It's it's going to be fun to see Jordan Stevens' team start playing some like opposition. Yeah. Hopefully, Again, fingers crossed, as we talked about earlier, that the weather cooperates. Get some home games. They've been on the yes. road the entire spring so far. They've got eight home games in a row coming up in mid-April. Uh, fun to see this team get a chance to play in their own backyard sooner than later. Yeah, you know, I, I think the majority of uh, programs are in this boat in the Summit League uh, in, in regards to softball. You know, obviously, you just can't play at home. I mean... Obviously, uh, the southern southern schools can 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 do that a little bit more than we can here. But uh, I thought the first weekend of play was interesting. Everybody's either two and one or one and two. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of interesting. So that that just goes to show you, you know, maybe what we're I'll call it in for kind of an exciting conference season. The pack all very tight early as we get through the opening weekend of summit league play. Uh, Jordan Stevens and this crew obviously had got to travel far and wide and see some cool things. What's his take so far on how the non-conference portion of the season has gone? Yeah, you know, I, I have not really caught up to him too much. I've talked to Kara Helmig, uh, who's our sports supervisor, and she, I know she's she's in uh, touch with him uh, quite a bit. You know, I think it's been, um, you know, we, we started off, I think, uh, offensively pretty well. Then we kind of hit a lull. And, uh, and part of it had to do with competition um, to some degree. Um, but I, I think, you know, if we can kind of uh, muster what we saw at the beginning of the year uh, during conference play, I think he feels pretty good at this point in time. But that was a that was a challenge last year, scoring runs. And so that's uh, that's something that, you know, it, it's incredibly important if we can find a way to find our groove offensively. Yeah, we'll look at a shot on the road this weekend against Western Illinois coming up. And then, yeah, as we said, home Omaha comes to town on the ninth and 10th. The first of it, again, fingers crossed, a long homestand for this group. There's a couple of games against Mayville in there. South Dakota comes in the middle of the month. Uh, it's it's fun to get 
that conference season started for a team that does have high hopes this year to do something and make some noise and make the tournament and maybe make a deep run here come the month of May. Uh, tennis, by the way, is off and running as well, and then they're kind of approaching sort of the business end of their season. There's only about a month left before conference tournaments. Uh, both men and women playing really well, both with double-digit wins, both with positive records in the Summit League. I did want to ask you, so when you look at the men's schedule and you look at the women's schedule, the men only have a handful of matches against Summit League opponents, and 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 then they're going to be thrust right into the semifinals and the championships. And how does this all... <laughs> How does this all work in terms of tennis? Just give us a little rundown and a reminder, because this is a sport that doesn't get as much publicity, of course. But as far as actually playing of, the match itself, or so the or match just itself, we know because we've got we've got your singles and your doubles, and you sort yep. of go through ones, etc. But in terms of making the postseason, what does that look like? And then, what, what, is it specifically at the top seeds discretion of who gets the host? Give us the rundown. Yeah, that. so so that's exactly right. So top four teams make it. And so, uh, so you'll end up host the top seed will end up hosting. And, um, you know, we've got some affiliate members on the men's side. And so not everybody has men's tennis. And so I think, you know, that's probably meh, more the confusing part of tennis, but, but I'll tell you what, the conference season goes by quick because you play them once that's it. And so, you know, I was talking to uh, coach Boyson and, um, you know, we knew early on when we were playing Omaha that, you know, these are critical matches. Like you can't come back and get it back. And so uh, if you find a way to, to, to play someone that, you know, you're sort of in the same bandwidth fighting for a playoff spot, it, it might happen in February. It, it, weirdly that, that to me is kind of the, 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 the interesting part of it. Yeah, well, that's just it. Like the men right now are two and one in conference, and unless I misread, they don't have a conference game the rest of the way until the postseason. They play IUPUI, Illinois State, Drake. Now, are one of those an affiliate member? Bill? Yes, Drake okay. is an affiliate member. Yes, there you go. Yes, okay, so yes, that's, yes. That's part of it. But yeah, that's not a lot. Of, that's not a big sample size to determine who's moving on to the postseason. That's right. That's right. So you've got um, Illinois State and Drake are affiliate members of. Uh, and so, uh, you know, so we'll end up playing them as well. But at the end of the day, you're correct. Uh, you know, when you only have seven schools uh, that that are playing, you know, um, talk about every match makes a difference. Well, this men's team, again, has a great opportunity to make some noise in the postseason. Again, their wins have come over Omaha and Oral Roberts. Denver's ranked in the nation. They, they lost 6-1, I think, to the Pioneers last week. But there are, uh, there's opportunity there. And then the women, same thing, three and one. They've got back-to-back wins over a couple of good teams in Western and Kansas City. They will get to play South Dakota on the road. Then they're home against Omaha on April the 9th. Uh, and then the Summer League Tournament just around the corner, April the 22nd and 23rd. Again, the top seeds will host come April. Correct. And so I, I would say on the women's side, it, it's much more traditional. We've got no affiliate members there. So it's just a matter of whether or not you play or not. And the only schools that do not play tennis, North Dakota State and South Dakota State. So that's so it's much more, I'll call it what we're used to, I guess, league wise. It's just men's can get a little uh, confusing, so to speak. Yeah. Thanks for clearing that up. Because again, when you look down the line and you see the success and you see the conference tournaments coming and it's like, but well, they're two and one and they're not playing any other summer league schools. But yeah, the affiliate piece that always makes a little bit of a difference. So best of luck to the men's and women's tennis teams as they move forward with their seasons. Track and field was busy this last weekend. Three different meets going on, two in Texas, 
one in North Carolina. I know, talk about trying to keep everything straight, but some really good performances, uh, both at the Texas Relays, which is a huge national meet. Elise Ulseth was named the Summit League Indoor Field Athlete of the Year for her performances in the pentathlon in the indoor season. And then she starts the outdoor season with a UND record in the heptathlon, 5,500 points. She finishes eighth against a top, top national field uh, down in Texas. So exciting stuff for the program to have someone that is having a phenomenal season. And then lots of other good performances as well at those three meets around the country, Bill. Yeah, Coach Varenkamp uh, certainly was one of uh, his recruits um, that once he uh, he uh, was able to uh, obtain the position late, right? Like, holy cow. I mean, you know, so I, I would say he's in like almost in year zero right now. And so he's just trying to, you know, figure it out. And oh, by the way, Jim, we're going to host uh, indoor indoors as well. So, uh, you know, w- when he got here, uh, a lot on their plate, so to speak, but you're right. I think they're taking a fresh look at, uh, you know, what our schedule has been, you know, what's the best situation for our student athletes. And as you can tell, <laughs> they're going to multiple places, uh, depending on the weekend. This coming weekend, they'll all be in the same spot, so a little simpler for the North Dakota crew. They'll be down in Vermilion at the USD Early Bird Meet on April the 2nd. Then they're out in the L.A. area at the Azusa Pacific University campus. They'll take on uh, a number of top teams at the Brian Clay invite. Uh, that's the middle of the month. Outdoor season's wild. It's just you're kind of all over the place, and like you said, split squads, and you're all building towards the Summit League Outdoor Championships, which are not that far away, and then hopefully a crack at the Outdoor Nationals uh, come the, the early part of June out in Eugene, Oregon. That's right. And I think as we head uh, into the uh, outdoors, you know, uh, it will have a better read on uh, kind of where we might stand uh, in that regard. So, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's exciting. Lots of uh, lots of um, teams kind of spreading out, doing their thing and knock on wood. Uh, you know, I worry from an administrative standpoint, you know, uh, you know, travel considerations and concerns. And, and, and luckily, we've been generally OK, generally OK. <laughs> Fingers crossed that that continues here as the spring moves along. But uh, best of luck to our crew down in Vermilion this coming weekend. Football, by the way, also spring practices starting to wrap up. The spring wrap-up is what we're calling it this year is coming up on April the 2nd. So this Saturday, uh, starting at 10 o'clock, doors open at 930 over at the Fritz Pollard Center. Not a true spring game and not really even a spring scrimmage. But again, being thoughtful of what this group of young men have gone through over the last 12 months with the wear and tear on their bodies. It's going to be essentially just a ramped up practice that fans can come and be a part of. And then there'll be some chances to chat with guys and get autographs for the kids after the fact, too. So a cool event coming up this weekend as the football team starts to wrap up their spring season. Yeah, we're going to have uh, some inflatables and and, and a few other things so that, you know, folks can come in and enjoy and a little bit of autographs afterwards. So that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, But you're right, Alex, you know, a lot of our uh, football players, you know, they might have off-season surgeries, they might just be, you know, kind of, in a sense, uh, repping it uh, mentally, if you will, and not necessarily physically. So to have a game, I, I'm just not sure. We, we just ha- don't have the numbers at this point in time. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And so uh, uh, so Bub has been really, really thoughtful coming off a, uh, a unique uh, 2021. Yeah. Speaking of football, by the way, fall's not that far away, as crazy as that sounds. It's going to be April in a couple of days. The schedule came out officially with, with start times, et cetera, down the list for a, a really competitive home slate that's coming. Uh, I know people always want to know why why are we going three o'clock and noon and why is there a little back and forth? And we always say every year it's it's, be, it's because of us. It's the, te- it's the television side of things with hockey games sometimes on Saturday nights. We need the extra time to get our truck over from the Alaris to the Ralph. So thanks again for being accommodating with that. 
uh, to make and make some adjustments on those kickoff times this fall. Well, as long as it has the plug-in for the clock, yeah, <laughs> we'll be good. That's all we need, right? Yeah, that's right. But no, I I think we try to be consistent if we can. We try to be thoughtful about what else is happening, and uh, you know, the Alaris Center plays a role in this as well. Sometimes, you know, they might have an right. event the night before, and so the, you know, there's there's really no one reason why we do things. I, actually, each week is its own, and we kind of then put them all on the table, and we kind of say, how can you make it as consistent as possible? And so, uh, with obviously, you know, our great support from you all uh you know in consideration yeah there's that is the one nice thing you know it's either going to be at noon or three there are a couple of noon starts uh one on october the first and one on november the 12th everything else at three o'clock and so that football season kicks off uh in nebraska against the Cornhuskers on september the third but then the home portion starts the next week uh, against northern iowa you get a conference game on the second week of the season that's going to be a fun one and that's also the potato bowl again at three o'clock on september the 10th against the panthers looking forward to that one bill yeah, it should be great. should be great. They were a uh, playoff team this past year and uh, they, they will, uh, you know, they certainly, um, they, they are perennially a difficult team for us. We didn't play them last year, yeah. so we'll see what transpires. Yeah, looking forward to that. Again, not, not that far away, the football season. That, I believe, I know, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be here before we know it. That, Bill, I think is, is it for the wrap-up, at least on the A side. Anything else that stands out that you want to chat about? No, quick, quick B side, and then we'll uh, we'll be, we'll be done for uh, for another pod. I like it. So two two quick B side topics. Uh, the first, spring training is happening right now. Again, Major League Baseball has gotten everything figured out. Labor stoppage is over. Red Sox have been they were a little quiet at the start of the free agent frenzy that happened after things were renewed, but they made a big splash. Trevor Story coming over from the Rockies. Thoughts on the move, Bill? Yeah, I like it. I I thought um, it was interesting. I came down uh, to the lobby in St. Paul on Saturday morning, and Tim Hennessy let me know that Carlos Correa signed with the Twins. And the first thing out of my mouth is, that means we get Trevor Story. Yeah. (laughs) And you were right. That was the way it worked out. So six-year deal. And it looks like he's going to play second base, for at least for the time being, with Sander Bogarts staying at shortstop. Yeah, I think it's good. I I, I think it's uh, I think he's kind of a pull hitter, so that'll be good for him and pretty good defensive player. And it's certainly an insurance if uh, Xander Bogarts uh, opts out after this year, which he has the ability to do. So I think it, I think it checks a few boxes, length, lengthens their lineup, and uh, I, I was I was excited about it. And and then further. Beyond all of that, I think he was kind of rumored to potentially go to the Yankees too. So it's like, hey, if he's not going there, come here. Yeah, that's a win. That's a win-win right there. So anytime you can add an impact bat like that, who is such a good defensive player in your infield, that's big. I mean, realistically, they still have some holes to fill. I know you were, I know you were bummed when Schwarber signed elsewhere that Boston wasn't able to retain him. I'm okay. That they had a number. They had a number with him and. The issue with with Schwarber is if they could have gotten him at the number that they wanted to, uh, you know, they still had JD, and so they had to kind of figure that piece out. And I, I'm actually good with it. I, I I would rather have Trevor Story than Kyle Schwarber. I would agree with you there. Yeah, I, w- I would say so. Yeah, be nice to have both. <laughs> I know you can be greedy sometimes, but yeah, it's part of the fun this offseason, figuring things out, putting the team together, seeing what happens when they take the field on opening day, which is coming up. 
Yeah. And I think ultimately the, part of the Schwarber piece was maybe he could have, you know, slid into the DH spot when JD's gone at some point for sure. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think Tristan Cassis will start in uh, Worcester this year, Triple um, A. You know, I think he's the guy that they're they, they've got you know thoughts on at some point, and they probably just they just had a number with him, and and you know what, Philly was willing to pay more, and so they they went down that path, and you know they they probably still could make a move you know mid mid year if they need to, but with this many teams making the playoffs at this point in time, there's going to be hesitancy for for teams to move off of uh, of their players, I think uh, more so than they ever have before. I would say a lot less sellers in the market, you know, come the dog days. It's going to be a different situation this year, like you said, with those extra teams still thinking they've got a shot to make the postseason. So, excited for baseball to get started. That's going to be fun here in a couple of days. We also have some excitement on the pitch, Bill. My other thing for you today, uh, the USA men's national team. Uh, big resounding 5-1 win against Panama the other day as World Cup qualifying will come to an end tomorrow. They haven't officially qualified yet, but you're about as close as you can get. As long as they don't lose 6-0. They, they need to lose by less than six goals at Costa Rica tomorrow night. And the men will be back in the World Cup. That's exciting for this group after missing out on 2018. So two things. Uh, I think they do struggle at Costa Rica, right? They've never won. They've never won there in World Cup. Wow. Qualifying, so. That's wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Pulisic was really good the other day. I know. I mean, I know there were two penalty kicks, but he was, you know, all over the pitch. His, his, his third goal was tremendous. Uh, and so yeah, it was good. They were um, the, the atmosphere in Orlando was awesome. Yeah, it, it really was. I mean, probably better than playing in St. Paul, like in January. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> when nobody could feel their face after the opening five minutes. Yeah, kudos to the U.S. for deciding to actually play in a place where you could actually play. Nice job. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that seems interesting to me. But long story short, I think it's awesome. They should make it. Um, and that'll be fun. That'll be a lot of fun. And, and, you know, good for Canada. Canada's had a nice run. Yeah, yeah. The, the Canada men's national team has not made the World Cup since 1986. And they're, they're uh, barring a different set of results this weekend, they're going to win CONCACAF qualifying. They'll be the top seed coming out of the North American and Caribbean region. So awesome job by them. They have some truly elite players. Alfonso Davies, who plays for Bayern Munich, probably the best fullback in the world. They have some other guys that have played around MLS that are just classic old veteran guys, cool heads, etc. But but they've been awesome this qualifying cycle. And the, obviously the US, Canada, Mexico will all host a joint World Cup in 2026. That country is going to be on fire come that if those guys stay together and they have some success this this fall, which sounds weird to say in Qatar when the World Cup rolls around. Yeah, it's exciting. It, it really is. Yeah. I uh I you know, it was a awesome atmosphere the team really showed showed up and the goal differential is huge and so you know it's it's really a fait accompli at this point just the question is what what group do you get uh, slotted in i would assume it's similar to like champions league type thing if you finish first in Concacaf or second or third you get put in certain buckets is that how it works not quite you're close it's it comes down a lot of times to your fifa ranking depends on Ooh. where you get placed so the top teams in the world sort of get put in pot one along with the host. So Qatar will be in pot one. And then after that, I think it's kind of a mix. Your FIFA ranking, which obviously is impacted by what you do in qualifying, sort yeah. of determines where you go in these extra pots. So well, the draw won't be, by the way, till the summer because we've got some things to sort out because of the conflict, of course, in Ukraine, where Ukraine is supposed to play Scotland, but FIFA has and UEFA have decided that match can't take place. Like your country's at war right now, so they're going to push that match back 
So come June, when they hopefully will be able to play that match, that'll be the last spot to make it into the World Cup, and then they'll have the draw shortly thereafter. But a lot of other spots being decided today. We know Italy is out after a crazy result against North Macedonia. We know Portugal now is on the line. Like There's a lot of big countries that need to win today and tomorrow to make it to the World Cup. So we'll see. What does Portugal have to do? Well, now just, I'm, ha- I'm half Portuguese. They just have to beat North Macedonia. But that's all the Italians had to do, and they couldn't do it. So we will see. But... Uh, Okay. Will Ronaldo Ronaldo will play? Yes, this is his, this will be his last World Cup. Yep, so he's a part of the squad. Yeah, they play tomorrow. So, big match. I believe it is in Portugal, so they're hosting. But, Got uh, it. Yeah, there's some big there's some big boys out there that that's uh are not going to make it probably unless they come off you know, to get a result. So, Oof. Uh, the the cup is always better when you've got the blue bloods. It's a little bit like the final four. It sometimes feels a little better, but you also love it when there are a few Cinderella stories in there too. So if it is the North Macedonian spell, you can just tip your cap and say best of luck, even if it's at the expense of the Portuguese. Hey, I, I, if you win on the pitch, you win on the pitch. Win on the pitch. Can't beat that. So be on the lookout for those results as we move forward. Much more soccer talk to come in B-Sides in the future. For now, though, I think that's going to do it for this episode, Bill. Always good to chat. Good to catch up. Yeah, always good, Alex. I really appreciate you. And uh, for sure, we'll uh, we'll probably do this in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm all in. All in. All right, for Bill Shaves, for our producer, Kyle Dobrowski, I'm Alex Heider. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time on our next edition of the Bill Shaves Podcast. Mm-hmm.